Shining City Audio, a John Meacham and C-13 original studio. On August 30th, 1963, the Washington-Moscow hotline is established. I'm John Meacham, and this is Reflections of History. The language of the agreement is dry. For use in time of emergency, the government of the United States of America and the government of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics have agreed to establish, as soon as technically feasible, a direct communications link between the two governments. Each government shall be responsible for the arrangements for the link on its own territory. Each government shall take the necessary steps to ensure continuous functioning of the link and prompt delivery to its head of government of any communications received by means of the link from the head of government of the other party. These words are found in the officially titled Memorandum of Understanding between the United States of America and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics regarding the establishment of a direct communications link. Put more colloquially, the agreement established the hotline between the two capitals of the two great nuclear powers of the Cold War era, Washington and Moscow. The technology came online on this date in 1963. Designed to reduce cataclysmic confusion, the hotline was partly the result of conversations that had been unfolding for nearly a decade, and it had been sorely needed the previous year, in October 1962, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. This government, as promised, has maintained the closest surveillance of the Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. Within the past week, unmistakable evidence has established the fact that a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on that imprisoned island. After the standoff over Cuba, an American working group had offered this proposal. In the view of the United States, such a link should, as a general matter, be reserved for emergency use. That is to say, for example, that it might be reserved for communications concerning a military crisis which might appear directly to threaten the security of either of the states involved, and where such developments were taking place at a rate which appeared to preclude the use of normal consultative procedures. Effectiveness of the link would not be degraded through use for other matters. The technology that resulted was not a telephone, much less a red one. It was, rather, a dedicated radio telegraph service. The creation of a channel of communication was a signal achievement. Wars have often begun because of misunderstandings, and in the nuclear age, such wars would not be limited, but total. The hotline was also in keeping with President Kennedy's basic belief that diplomacy was personal. In a review of a book about military strategy written just a few months before the 1960 presidential election, Kennedy had quoted a British military strategist. Keep strong if possible. In any case, keep cool. Have unlimited patience. Never corner an opponent and always assist him to save face. Put yourself in his shoes so as to see things through his eyes. Avoid self-righteousness like the devil. Nothing is so self-blinding. 
Such was the man who managed the missile crisis. As JFK noted, the American presidency is a formidable, exposed, and somewhat mysterious institution. It is formidable because it represents the point of ultimate decision in the American political system. It is exposed because decision cannot take place in a vacuum. The presidency is the center of the play of pressure, interest, and idea in the nation. And the presidential office is the vortex into which all the elements of national decision are irresistibly drawn. And it is mysterious because the essence of ultimate decision remains impenetrable to the observer, often indeed to the decider himself. The hotline was supposed to make those decisions at least conceivably rational. And here we are, all these years distant, in a time that is troubled, but in terms of state-controlled nuclear arms, inherently stable. Thank you for listening to Reflections of History, a creation of Shining City Audio, a C-13 Originals and John Meacham Studio. Reflections of History is executive produced by me, John Meacham, and Chris Corcoran, Chief Content Officer and Founding Partner of Cadence 13. Production and editing led by Lloyd Lockridge and Chris Basil. Production assistance and operations by Andy Jaskowitz, Adam Macias, and Kelly Rafferty. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.